0: Can khaki. Han kaki? Kankak. Can kaker. Can khaki canki I don't honestly I don't know. I have the world's saddest eyebrow brush. Send help. Okay. Hi and welcome to another episode of Murder's of Drag with me, Aura Van Dank. This week, listing sources first, as in last episode, also as well as Chicago Sun Times article by Matthew Hendrickson. NBC5 Chicago article by Kate Chappelle. Block Club Chicago article, very well written, very helpful, by a few contributors. Hannah Alani, Kelly Bauer, Bob Chiarito et al. And a Chicago Tribune article by Alice Yin. This week, I have purple hair and eyebrows. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is great. Now I'm gonna take away these beautiful purple eyebrows. This week, I'm discussing the murder and life of Kenneth Paterimos Jr. Kenny was a Chicago native with a very intense love for his city. He was very proud of where he came from, very proud of Chicago. Kenny was born February 8th, 1997, in Chicago. His parents are Diana Bueno and, surprisingly enough, Kenneth Paterimos Sr. Kenny's parents originally settled down in the area of Pilsen, Chicago, before they decided to move to a more suburban place uh, called Hickory Hills. As life went on and... Things got complicated as they do, Kenny and his brother Anthony went to go live with their dad in Kankakee? Kankakee? Kankakee. I don't, honestly, I don't know. Eventually, the boys moved back in with their mom in the Austin area of Chicago, and that apartment was when both of them began learning the bus and train routes, and making friends in the neighborhood, and really starting to cultivate that love for their city. Kenny has four siblings in total, Santiago or Julian Bueno. Cruzito Bueno, Anthony Paterimos, and Dina Paterimos. At a young age, Kenny and his brothers would go to work with their mother at um, a color image printing facility. So right next to that printing facility that Diana worked at was this little place called Richard's Bar, and they served food and there was music, so it was kid-friendly enough for them to meet up and have dinner and catch up with the family. One of their favorite things to do at the end of the day was to go to Richard's bar and turn on the Bee Gees and have a little family dance party, which is super fucking cute, I don't care what you say. Kenny was a very friendly and genuine person with a very kind disposition. His sly comment for everything and that quick wit is what made him so many friends over his lifetime. And though Kenny was very happy, outwardly he struggled on the inside with depression and some self-harm, and he had a semicolon tattoo to commemorate that his story was not yet over. A little later in life he came out as bisexual to his family and was very welcomed and embraced and phased the family, didn't phase the love that they had for him. Like I said, Kenny had a whole lot of love for his city and he even got the entirety of the Chicago skyline tattooed on his ribcage, which sounds very fucking painful. Also, yes, he was very hot. Very, very hot. <laughs> He even did some modeling, but his passion actually laid with coffee. And not necessarily just coffee either, but the whole cafe experience. He wanted to be a cafe gay. Kenny worked at Fair Play Foods for a while, where he had the opportunity to sort of explore different blends of coffee and start cultivating his knowledge of coffee and that aspect of it, you know, blends and what tastes good together. I honestly don't know what the different blends of coffee are. I think it all tastes like coffee. After that, he went on to work as a barista at a few different coffee places, including Starbucks. All of his coworkers distinctly remembered him writing down recipes that he had made on sticky notes and slapping them in his pockets, making them try different concoctions that he'd created, tell them what they thought, and, like I said, he was a very friendly person. His mom said that he was just in love with the idea of owning his own cafe one day where he could experiment with his own blends of coffee and order his own beans. That was always his lifelong dream. Kenny had a really close relationship with all of his siblings. They all grew up very close and stayed very close later in life. His brothers remember always FaceTiming him when they were picking out outfits because he was very blunt if it did not look good or if he did not think that it fit what you wanted and he would tell you straight up, don't get that. His brother Julian said Kenny had a huge love and passion for house music and was always dancing to house music, always exploring different venues in Chicago to find underground house music and just party to house music, find other people who liked it. It was one of his passions. On the night of February 21st this year, just shy of two weeks after his 23rd birthday, Kenny went out with his brother Julian to the bar. Not just any bar, but the family's favorite spot, Richard's Bar, where they pretty much grew up hanging out. Julie and Kenny got to the bar around 10.30pm and they start drinking, kiki, kaka, bucking around, doing whatever. They're having a low-key, fun kind of night, and then they notice this drunken mess come through and he's pushing people around, he's talking shit to people, just looking to start a fight in general. And when he pushes Kenny, Kenny pushes back, which he should have because fuck you, you can't just go around the bar pushing people because you're drunk, you should get your ass kicked for that, and you usually do. So this belligerent drunk mess is Thomas... Tansy, who was a very unfortunate looking ex-marine piece of shit, who started hurling homophobic slurs at Kenny after he pushed Kenny, and then that little scuffle escalated to the point where Thomas physically assaulted Kenny, and Kenny's brother Julian had to remove Thomas from the bar, and the bar owners or people were like, no, you can't come back in, but didn't make him leave from outside the bar. That's why it's so important to handle these situations quickly and seriously when people are hurling slurs and being homophobic and physically violent and threatening, because it's gonna escalate, and it always does, and it always has. There's a laissez-faire attitude towards it in places where it's like, well, you can't stop the people in your bar from doing what they do, and it's like, yeah, you entirely can. You can kick them out and tell him to fuck off. Not like, maybe you should leave and cool down and come back another time and just go outside and smoke a cigarette. Like, that's not gonna fucking help. That's, and it never does, and it never will. It's almost like people seem to be used to that behavior, and it's like less popular to be offended than it is to just blow it off. And it's like, no, be offended. You should be offended. You have every right to be offended. Julie and Kenny absolutely were offended, but continued to try to have a good night and not let that get to them. It is acceptable for Kenny to go outside and try to cool down and have a cigarette. They decided to leave actually, and Kenny said that he was just gonna go smoke and then they could head out. So Julian's inside, he pays the tab, and as he's going to leave, Kenny stumbles back through the door and then collapses to the floor in a pool of blood. Julian held his brother in his arms while he died before he looked out the door and saw a man walking away at an aggressive pace with a knife in his hand. The staff at the bar is being very unhelpful, they're just kind of acting like this is inconveniencing them, so Julian has to leave his brother there and run out and tackle the attacker by himself, and showed an immense amount of self-control by only giving him one good real slugger to the face. Julian is a professional fighter. Yes, he's also very hot. Like I said, it's just, it takes a lot of restraint. I very much commend him for that. In celebration, here's some fun footage of that fat fuck struggling on the ground after Julian laid him out. Fun. So the ambulance arrives and rushes Kenny to Stroger Hospital where he's pronounced dead. That was less than an hour after initially being attacked. He'd been slashed eight times total, once in the ear, three times in the back of the head, twice in the back of his right arm, once in the collarbone, and once in the chest. The cut in the collarbone essentially slashed his throat. This was a truly brutal and hate-fueled attack. When police arrived, it was pretty easy to take Kevin into custody because his ass was pretty much knocked out by Julian. um, And they brought him into the station where he claimed it was somehow self-defense and they released him, so remember, if you're caught walking away from the scene with a bloody knife, you've just murdered somebody, but you just claim that it's self-defense, they have to release you until they investigate that. That's bullshit. Entirely bullshit. They even questioned some of the witnesses at the initial scene who confirmed that Thomas had been hurling homophobic slurs before he slashed a person to death. But. There's still some kind, of, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, he can go home for the night. Definitely not a flight risk because he just murdered somebody. Needless to say, people were outraged that this known violent criminal was free and walking the streets after murdering somebody in the middle of the street of Chicago. Yeah, Thomas, ex-marine piece of shit garbage person, was already on the radar for doing some crazy shit like this before, but again, once a Marino is a Marine, so he's gotta be innocent. Thomas had actually attacked somebody in December of 2016 in the past and attempted to blame that on PTSD that I don't doubt is a very common thing but he definitely didn't have it and I'll get to that. So 2016, Thomas is driving in his little dickmobile, booping down the road up to some douchebaggery. For some reason, ends up in this road rage incident where he follows somebody all the way to their neighborhood. And when they got out of the car, he attempts to start pistol whipping them, but is a complete fucking idiot and falls to the ground, brings the other guy with him. Great Marine here is disarmed within like five seconds of being on the ground and the guy basically threatens him there with the gun until the police arrive. Police arrive, you know, starts claiming the, oh, PTSD, I dealt with a whole lot of traffic in Afghanistan and when there's traffic, I'm triggered. He ends up having to serve 18 months of probation, teeny tiny little slap on the wrist for coming out of his car with a gun. You're not allowed to do that ever. And then he's also arrested in December of 2019 for driving under the influence. Really stand-up guy. Really a pillar of the community. Another just little teeny tiny sleepy slaps on the wrist. That's it. To top off the cake on the this guy clicks off every red flag but we're gonna ignore it because good work must count for something. He was known to harass and chase college students while impersonating Chicago police officer and just harass them for different things. He actually harassed this one guy little footage here, for not picking up dog poop that didn't even belong to the dog that the guy was walking. And he, he's just insane. You can even see it in his face that he's insane. It's pitiful. Quite pitiful. The dismissal is insane. However, on February 27th, after being released from prison, for the first time. A no bail warrant is issued for the arrest of Thomas, no doubt only due to the pressure being put on them on social media and not even so much in the media because this is right when the coronavirus outbreak started. So there wasn't a whole lot of air time for this case. A police person, police person, a police spokesperson claims that the only reason he was released is because it was an ongoing investigation, but I've never heard of a murderer being caught with a murder weapon and then being released because of self-defense. I mean, I guess yes, but not in this case with the witnesses who saw that it's a hate crime. And luckily on Wednesday, February 28th, Thomas turns himself in, still looking quite pitiful. The story that was painted by law enforcement is fucking garbage and offensive and disgusting, to be honest, because this is just completely unfounded, no truth to it. It's insane. They claim that 127-pound Kenny decided um, after being assaulted by this guy that he was going to go outside alone and beat this guy up, this 220-pound ex-Marine. He's going to beat him up by himself. That's their story. And then he goes outside, starts beating up Thomas. Thomas is on the ground, helpless, so he pulls out a box cutter in self-defense and somehow is able to slash Kenny from behind while underneath him and murder him. So it's not a hate crime. It's self-defense. Duh. They were also, like we've seen before, very confident that there were no slurs thrown. That couldn't have happened. We know everything that happened just by theory and scenario, but that's definitely not part of that. That didn't happen. We can rule that out for sure. It's not a hate crime. Please don't call the FBI because we're shitty cops. A police pod or POD camera even caught Thomas chasing after Kenny after he stabbed him. Like that's that's not going to be admissible. Like I don't understand. I truly don't understand how these things fucking work. Luckily, the judge that was residing over this seemed to be a little bit more level-headed and said that the actions committed by Thomas are not the actions of somebody acting in self-defense. He saw right through that bullshit story, and he said that he's concerned because of the history of violence in Thomas's past, so we actually have a judge looking at some facts here. That's great news. Always great news. Thomas Tanzi, however, has this really good lawyer who's gonna pull that marine card and rub it on his ass and then up in everybody's faces because this is the only defense that he can use for this fucking psychopath that has a history of violence, should already be in jail. He says that he has PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder obviously is a very real mental disorder that affects people every day and it's it's terrible, it's awful that these traumas happen in the first place, it's awful that people have to endure the symptoms of PTSD every day and it is very common in veterans. His lawyer says he saw some awful things in Afghanistan and I don't doubt that for a minute. These situations that he's claiming PTSD triggered have nothing to do with anything that could possibly link to each other as a trigger. Nothing is going to bring you back about that situation. Were there a lot of gay people causing traffic in Afghanistan? Was Afghanistan? Was that your problem, Mr. Afghanistan? And by him and his attorney using this defense, they're doing a great job of effectively diminishing the struggle of people who are actually living with PTSD and further stigmatizing the disorder. It's once again, just offensive. And this judge, Charles Beach, is not having any of Thomas's shit and he said, what most bothers me regarding this is the location of the stab wounds, those stab wounds all being to the back. Hit the nail right on the head with that one. Judge Beach also brought up the past charges, like I said, and expressed that he was very concerned That this man wasn't already put away. The family is suing Richard's bar as well for criminal negligence leading to their son's murder because they didn't do anything to kick this person out. And yes, you're responsible for keeping your patrons safe at your bar. That is 100% your responsibility. I don't know when it became, oh, well, people do what they do. No, this is your bar. Tell them to leave. You can absolutely do that. Like, there's no repercussions for that. The staff at the bar was also reportedly not cooperative with the investigation at all, and they all refused to be witnesses for the case. Which is all just very suspicious, and things just keep getting fishier. The patrons at the bar also took pictures of the blood-covered floors and posted them and made jokes. One said, A little murder never stopped us. Glad they cleaned it up before they came here. So-and-so isn't a suspect anymore. It's disgusting that you can sit in that bar at all, let alone take pictures and start making jokes. Wow. Wow. Kenny's family organized a Justice for Kenny vigil protest outside Richard's bar to protest the fact that the bar was not helping in the investigation and was negligent to the point leading up to Kenny's murder. The news of the protest was on social media and definitely knowledge of the bar yet they chose to remain open and serve patrons while the group of 100 plus family members and friends mourned the death of Kenny Paterimos. Then to make it worse, while Kenny's mother was speaking about her grief, somebody inside the bar decided to flip off the cameras in the crowd outside. Fucking classy. They even called the cops on them um, because it was a fire hazard that they were blocking the sidewalks, but it wasn't a fire hazard that the bar owners had locked the patrons inside because while she was talking to the crowd, Miss Diana Bueno, Queen, said that she wanted to go inside and pray to help release her son's soul and help with her grief right where he took his last breath. They locked her out, would not let her come in. That's not a fire hazard, but them being on the sidewalk is a fire hazard. The bar kept their doors locked and refused to let Queen Diana pray where she wanted to pray. They were scared, they're little bitches. They have refused to cooperate during this investigation. They've refused to comment on any of the media outlets where this story has been covered. They know that they're guilty and they know they don't have a fucking chance. Richard's bar sucks. I hope lightning strikes it and it explodes. Truly, honestly, the worst. Very disrespectful. 10 out of 10, would not recommend. The family is hoping that Thomas There's no pity taken on him in the case and that he's charged to the fullest extent of the law. I really hope it's classified as a hate crime. You guys know I love when the FBI comes in and just tells them how shitty they did and how terrible all of their work was. I really hope that's the case. We don't really know. There hasn't been very much more movement with this case. It was pretty recent, and with all the COVID-19 stuff, unfortunately, it's been pushed to the back burner. I don't know why they can't handle this. I don't. As for the family, they're obviously still furious that Thomas was ever released in the first place, as would anybody be, as am I, Queen Diana is even quoted expressing her frustration for his self-defense claim that, what self-defense? Motherfucker, you killed him. You meant to. You meant to kill somebody that night. It just so happened to be him. I share the same sentiment, Diana. I can't, can't imagine. Kenny had such a huge heart and a huge circle of friends and family, a really great support system, and a very bright and exuberant personality. He's a shining example of why it's really important to say, fuck the murderers, let's talk about the life of the victim. That's never gonna get to be talked about in the news, in the media, let's talk about that. It's important to acknowledge what they stood for, what they believed in, what they loved their passions, their their lives, everything. At Kenny's beautiful, beautiful funeral service, his brother Cruzito said, I know he's up there with his collar turned up, bragging that this special moment is all about him, but saying, why couldn't they do it when I was here? He loved when people talked about him, but meaningfully, Not just like, he's pretty and had good music, but the actual things that he did for people. He loved to hear that you felt what he was trying to give to you or what he was trying to do for you. I think that is the most important quality in a person. Truly. Truly. That was a little bit about the life of Kenny Paterimos Jr. and how it was taken from him, tragically and far too soon. I hope I did a good job in expressing just how bright and bubbly his personality was. And, I mean, you guys know the drill. It's time for lips, lashes, costume, wig in that order I'll be right back and this is the finished look for this week's video yeah I hope um, you guys enjoy this this costume is by the house of man this hair is by Amazon and this mug is by me bitch (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode I'm gonna keep making episodes you know this show is gonna continue to happen yeah Hair Fun story. The Republicans came to my house looking for me. They wanted me to vote for North Carolina senator or something, Thom Thillis. I don't know why the fuck they came to my house, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not sure what they're trying to sell me on, but that's not the fantasy for me. I was just, I was shook that they came here. My parents actually would not let me answer the door for myself. So that was probably a smart move on their part. I definitely would have harassed the poor woman. Don't come to my gay household with your Republican bullshit. I don't want it, I'm not about it. I wanted to do a purple look this week because I have purple hair now, in case you didn't know. I love the color lavender, it's so pretty. I love the flavor of lavender. I love the scent of lavender. I am a lavender bitch, all the freaking way. I feel really pretty, I like my shoulders. They're really cushy poofy, cushy poof poof. All right, I'll see you guys next Wednesday, mwah.